Hello, thank you for calling. Please note, as per usual, we're all booked up with an extensive waiting list. Please leave your name and number and we might contact you. Hi there, welcome back to An Appointment With, the podcast series that puts you front and centre with the beauty industry's best. I'm your host, Melanie Morris, and if you're listening to this in real time, it's Christmas week and we're all a bit frazzled, and it has been and continues to be absolutely Baltic. And as a result of all of this, I think everyone has streaming colds. So please excuse the quality of my voice and the ongoing coughs and sniffles you're bound to hear throughout this recording. Because of the time of year and because this is the last in the current series, we're veering slightly away from format for this episode, which is less of an appointment with and much more of a bucket loads of bubbles with beauty guru Trina McCarthy. I call her that as years ago, before we were about to judge some best dress competition or something, I can remember saying to Trina, "Um, oh my God, um, what do I introduce you as? And we both chatted back and forth about, would it be this title? Would it be that title? Anyway, we both decided Beauty Guru was the one that fitted her best. And it does. But I think these days I'd add so many other titles to her name now. I'd add Fashion Guru, Style Leader, Wife, Mother, and one of my very dearest friends. Trina is a woman who is entirely herself. You know that phrase, um, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Well, that's Trina. She's bright, she's creative, she's incredibly kind, and unintentionally, she's really resourceful. And I think it's all of these things that have gotten her to such a unique position at the top of the Irish beauty scene. Originally, um, as beauty writer with the Sunday Independent Life magazine, but now as one of our most in-demand social media influencers, where she shares pretty much everything in life, such is her nature. Like, You know the way some Instagrammers will only show you the highlights reel of perfect poses in the most glorious locations with beautiful lighting? Well, Trina does that, but as anyone who follows her knows, she'll give you the full story, warts, hangovers and all. Um, Until today, actually, I hadn't counted how many years I've known Trina, but I think it's about 20. Our friendship began because we went on so many press trips together and it's evolved through all the highs and lows of life, literally births, deaths and marriages. But even then, there's so much more about Trina that I don't really know about. So it was a joy to have the formality of this podcast and an opportunity to get her to sit down and focus as much as she possibly can and to fill in some of the gaps. Enjoy the following conversation, which admittedly goes all over the place. Um, And I'm not sure has a huge amount of beauty in adverted commas in it. But if you want to hear of a woman's unconventional story of side hustles, parties and press launches, an ADHD diagnosis, many bad boyfriends, style inspiration, a life before and after social media, and how meeting the right man suddenly made everything feel right then this is a heartwarming one for you. Enjoy. (music) 
Trina McCarthy, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me, my dear. Do you know, the funny thing is, when you start, I mean, but normally when uh, I have a podcast guest, mm-hmm. I would normally send them over a few little questions so that they would know what the sort of thing we'd be talking about would be. But I knew there was no point doing that with you. Yeah. And anyway, it's too hard to do that with a friend because <laughs> <laughs> how do you condense... I'm trying to work out how many years I've known you, but I remember the day I met you so well. And oh. you tell me if this tallies. Okay, go on. You tell me if this tallies with your memory, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So my memory was a Lancome Christmas party, probably in October, yeah. way, way, way in advance of Christmas. And I, through my college years, my coolest friend was a very, very charming, very lovely, very handsome guy by the name of Greg Delaney. And Greg Delaney at the time had, he was in Trinity, so Trinity was a lot cooler than UCD where I was. And he had a magazine, a college magazine that was really, really cool. And I mean, this is all a bit of a segue. He sent me over to London to interview a fashion designer called Jasper Conran. And in those days, nobody had iPhones, nobody had anything. And I needed something to record the interview on. And I recorded it on my nephew's tape recorder, his like kind of colourful kitty one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, moving forward, Greg ended up getting a job, I think, as maybe one of the founder editors of what became Life magazine for the Sunday Indo. That is correct. And that's where I know the name from. It was between him. He edited a few of the magazines when it first started and Brendan O'Connor was editing. And it was literally like down between the two of them, like a, not a sing-off, a write-off. Like an X-factor. Yes, exactly. So, so what he was, so tell me now. So, so I was at this Lancome party yeah. in the Western Hotel, yeah. which was brand new at the time. Yes. Um, and he came up to me and he said, oh, I was working in the Irish Times. Yeah. I was doing beauty yeah. in the Irish Times. And he said, um, you must meet Trina McCarthy. She's the girl that we have to do beauty. Okay. Well, my memory of first seeing you, this sounds, this sounds so weird. I was in... Marks and Spencers. I wish it was across the road in Brown <laughs> Thomas, but it was Marks and Spencers. I was in there with Catherine Condell, the stylist, and we were going up an escalator and we look over and she said, oh, there's Melanie Morris over there. And of course I knew who you were I because I used to read D-Side magazine oh God, and I always, you know, liked to know who the, the, the cool peeps were. And you had a bright red bob. And um, I was like, oh, my goodness, I read that magazine all the time. I've heard so much about her. So I just spotted you um, that time. And then my memory is that we were at Dublin Fashion Week, or I was at Dublin Fashion Week. I was, because a lot of people don't know that I was a, worked as a fashion designer, as a fashion agent, as a fa- anything. I always had side hustles all the way, since I was tiny. Your main hustle is your side yeah, hustle. exactly. My brother even says that my first shop was where I took all his posters down out of his room, put them into my, made him buy them back from him, basically. So, like, I was always wheeling and dealing. Love, love, love a bit of hustling. But, um... I was in show, I was working as an agent this time in the Morrison Hotel during Dublin Fashion Week and you called in to see me. With Rachel Mackey, isn't that With Rachel Mackey, yeah. yeah. I was her head designer, stroke PR, stroke, inst- uh, like did everything for her, gave her a stroke probably all the time because I was <laughs> never on time and I was, um, 
yeah, I, I, if we want to talk about that for a second, um, I studied fashion at uh, the BBC, as Don O'Neill likes to call it. You know Don O'Neill from I do, Kaya. yeah, from Kerry. Yeah. He was way ahead of me, actually. He, he's, um, he was about, God, 10 years older. But he, we were at Kerry Fashion Week when he said, darling, you must say the BBC for where we went to college. It was the Barbara Burke College of Fashion, which I often describe as being the place where if you didn't do very well in the leaving cert, but your parents had a few quid, they'd send you to a private college. <laughs> and so he would call it the BBC. So I studied fashion there um, and I had a side hustle. I had a little um, uh, boutique, as we'll call it, in what was the old, people used to call it the Dandelion Market. Yes, um, which is basically where the Fitzwilliam Hotel is now. It is, yeah, behind that again. So behind... If you go down the side where Zara is, and hmm. it's the Mercer, uh, yes, is there. So it's it's where that Marlin Hotel is. Mm. It was in there. We called it the Dandelion Market when we were there. Uh, and so while I was studying fashion, I was studying fashion marketing and management, and the class above or the other classes were doing design. And I used to sell their designs in the uh, Dandelion Market. Um, on the weekends and I had some amazing um like I had Johnny Rotten came in and bought something off me I had Catherine Zeta Jones bought a pair of leggings for four pounds (laughs) that's an interesting duo I know and then actually the Eurovision was on in Ireland at the time Mm -hmm. and one of the backing singers from the French entry oh my god bought this old purple dress that I used to wear all the time when I was a cure head like it was yeah, I was always up to stuff. Sorry, we've gone completely yeah, off the completely but it's different. Great. This is stuff that I didn't even know about yeah. you. But so the other thing, of course, that the Dandelion Market was yeah. famous for, of course, is you two used to play the yeah. early gigs there. And see, I wouldn't have known any of that because I grew up on a farm in Skull and West Cork. It was far from now you two. And I was even telling my daughter the other day, you know that mummy didn't even go to Dublin, didn't even know where it was till I was 12 years old. Seriously? Yeah. Like like it was big enough deal to go to court. court well, you're like... making up for the travel now <laughs> anyway. And we'll get around to that. Yeah. Um, so how, so you fashion going strong. Where did beauty come into it then? Okay, so beauty, I suppose, was, so I I was only 16 when I did my leaving cert. And uh, actually, I really wanted to do, wanted to do DCU communications. But as I said, I n- never knew a journalist. I didn't know anyone working in TV. I went to a very academic school that, you know, kind of frowned upon things like that in a mm. way it wasn't seen you know as being a good I suppose job for a young lady or um and also it didn't help that I only applied for U- UCA and PCAST do you remember that because I didn't like Irish and I didn't want to do Irish and I didn't even do there was a lot of classes I liked sitting out of. I wouldn't do religion yeah. um and so I only applied for English colleges because I there was I wanted to live in England and um it might have had to do with a boy that I was seeing. But anyway, that was, they, they, they were the things that influenced me. Actually, no, do you know who, who was responsible for me getting into the whole beauty industry? Mm. A cha- an American chap called um, Rob Lowe. Um, the actor? Yeah. He was the one that got me into um, doing beauty. You see, I, it's, he just doesn't know that. Um, I was in love with him as well. And I used to buy smash it every week. Um, they used to hold it for me in Brosnan's. You know, you'd have your magazine put away with, for you and your, mag- your name written on the top of it. I'd go down and get it and also get uh, the Farmer's Weekly for my dad and uh, Image Magazine. Of and course. Whatnot, so they were all held in a little box and a little crate behind the till. And whenever I was reading interviews with Rob Lowe, he was always going out with makeup artists. And I thought, oh, 
Ooh, that's how I'll get my hands on him. So, honestly... This so was a strategy. This was a strategy. Trina, you've never planned anything in your life. It was... Well, you see, it wasn't <laughs> exactly... I, I can't even say the word P-L-A-N. But that was kind of the impetus to go and study something, uh, to, to do something like beauty. So when I was 16, I went to London for the summer with my boyfriend, having done my leaving cert. And all I wanted was to get a job in Boy, London. It was like... Did you remember The Boy? shop, yeah. yeah. Boy George actually used to... Wear a lot of it. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was my main ambition to get a job in there. And I used to go in and chat to the girls there. And one of them was a makeup artist as well. So I didn't really know mm. what makeup artists did really. And so when I came back to Dublin, no, that summer then, I started finding out where I could do something like that in Ireland. And there was nowhere. Mm. There was no makeup courses at all. But there were beauty courses. So I got an interview with Bronwyn Conroy when um beauty school and her college at the time was on uh, Grafton Street next to Burger King and uh, I had to go and do an interview to get in there and my mum thought this was a great idea as well because at the time I had uh, a nose ring I had half you know undercut and really long I was a cure head stroke kind of I was really into the cult as well I used to wear black cherry lipstick and really pale uh, pseudocreme actually on my face god and um, I I remember Bronwyn saying, um, and listen, if we decide to take her on, she'll have to get rid of that off her nose. You know, I wasn't like, she was very posh. Uh, Marvellous when I think of it, like the full bouffant hair Mm. and the makeup and the nails. She was so glamorous. She was like something out of Dynasty. And so I did beauty beauty therapy. Yes. But we only did two half days of makeup, would you believe, during the whole uh, course. The first time was before we broke up for St. Patrick's Day. And so one girl had to do makeup on you and then you did, did it mm. after to the other girl. And being the absolute rogue that I was, I let her do her lovely soft brown and, you know, mm. n- nobody touched eyebrows then or anything, actually. Mm. It was just like a bit of foundation, a little bit of blush. Um, I did the tricolour on her eyelids and she had to get the train home. After, there was no time to take it off. And actually, I'm just as I'm thinking about that, how different the beauty world was back then. We were doing waxing mm. and... So we'll say bikini line waxing. Mm. All that you did then, you you left your knickers on, on, yeah, and you just tucked a little bit of tissue around the edges, and it was like, how high would you like to go? And some people were very daring; they'd pull pull the knickers to the side quite a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we used to like that. That was the height but of I the, the waxing you, back then. I remember going in. I remember being in Kerry in about two thousand and eight. Yeah. And they were still waxing that way. No. Yeah. I remember, actually, I'll tell you a funny story. I remember when the J sisters, we're skipping on now as only I can do all over the place as usual. Only Melanie can keep hope. Keep, <laughs> this is why I love Melanie. Melanie will always just, you know, know how to deal with me because I'm not easy, am I? I'm like no, all over the place, but you on. know how to work with me. And um, I remember one of my first assignments jumping on to working with the Sunday Independent and with Life magazine and uh, somebody rang me up and said, do you want to go up to Blue Aru, it was called, which was like, I suppose... It was the Space NK of It was time. Space NK, exactly. Mm. Um, there's this, these American uh, women up there and they do this thing called Brazilian waxing. And I was like, okay. And I decided I'll go up and have my little notepad and pen. Uh, you have to remember now again, like everything in my life, I didn't study journalism I was just like, with everything in my life, I just go, yep, I can do that. Roll up my sleeves, get stuck in, have no idea what I'm doing and make it up as I go along. 
Um, and actually, people often say that when about my writing because I don't have, you know, I haven't been taught how to write. You know, I didn't learn the formula. <laughs> I've made it all up. But anyway, up I go thinking that you need a notepad and paper and a pen. And in I go. And this woman says, get up there now. Uh, or no, hello, lovely, lovely to meet you. She was South American, a J sister who had started uh, Brazilian waxing. Uh, and go into this room. I've never met her before. And she tells me to take all my clothes off from the waist down. As you do when you've met somebody two minutes earlier. <laughs> and up onto the bed I go. And she goes, uh, okay, now I'm about 27 at this stage, I think. And she go, she hands me a mirror to look at my bits. And I don't think I'd ever actually really had a mirror <laughs> and looked at all. And certainly when a woman is peering over you and asking you, what do I like, not like? And I'm thinking, oh my God, having out-of-body experiences here. Going, what is going on here? Is she doing this to everyone? Or is, am I some, like, what's going on? And so she then goes, okay. We will, this is my South American accent, it will probably sound like I'm from Kerry, but anyway, uh, she was like, okay, we're going to take everything, everything off, but you know, you want landing strip, you want, you know, and I was like, what is all this, what is she on about? <laughs> so with that, she um, puts the wax on, takes mm-hmm. everything off, leaves a little, uh, uh, oh no, sorry, she's holding me like, if you ever... Um, changing it baby's Babies. nappy and you catch them by the ankles and you hook that's how she was holding my legs and then at the end she put baby powder on me now if you've ever laid on a table with your legs over your head and you've baby you're gonna want to do something oh and I thought God. if I release any no, air out no, of me there's no. gonna be puffs of baby powder <laughs> up in the air like I can't just do it silently you know it's oh it was like my I was like oh I still have pains in my tummy thinking about trying to hold that in and uh then I get, I can see Ferg looking at me going, what <laughs> is she on about? <laughs> so then she, I was trying to be professional. She puts mm. my legs down and she's telling me, now you have to, you know, your uh, aftercare, you must, you know, uh, scratchy, scratchy in the shower with your fingers, scratchy, <laughs> scratchy, like to like exfoliate and use some Stopping going hairs. Yeah, 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 exactly. And she was like, you know, you will be lovely. And then she gives me the mirror again to look at myself. And I, w- oh yeah, then the most embarrassing thing was I had, at the time, dresses over trousers were a thing. Mm. And I had split my trousers, don't ask. And I was trying to pull my trousers on without her seeing the big hole at the back of them. And I had a G-string on and I had to walk out of the place with a gust, with the air circling around my nether regions feeling like I'd been violated I was like was that actually meant to happen like was the, are people actually paying money to have this done did oh. you write all of this I did actually and to this day people still say it was one of the funniest things but that see, they this ever is the thing and this is probably where I mean I remember I think when I was editing image I'm not sure there was ever a, a, a professional journalist because back in our day, there wasn't, there weren't courses in journalism. Yeah, I mean, they were relatively new. I think marketing was probably about the most comms out there you could go. Yeah, I mean, things obviously have evolved so much, but you learned literally by trial and error and from somebody else's expertise. And when I start, like as I have said already, I didn't come from a you know a farmer's daughter from school in West mm. Cork. And getting into the industry that I got into, um, I didn't realise it was actually quite closed. And I was very lucky to get into it. Mm. But again, it was just, I suppose, my uh, ignorance and my uh, confidence, you know. And your your appreciation of a side hustle. Appreciation <laughs> of a side hustle. And even when I started it, my column, 
actually I should tell you how I started it so mm. I was working in fashion I was styling um and the fashion editor of the Sunday Indo at the time Constance Harris was going on I would often you know uh, help her out with you know I was working in a store so if anything new came in I'd be like oh I was always wanting to ring up stylists and press and get things out there um and she was going on a holiday and she said, do you want to do my page in the Sunday Indo um, that week? And I said, yeah, no problem. A fashion page? Fashion page down in the studio. I'd never been in a studio in my life before with a photographer. Um, and um, that's a little lady over in the corner coughing mm-hmm. there. We might have my little daughter mm-hmm. here with us today. But um, so we uh, go down and I'm with Ruth Griffin, the fashion model. I'd never met her before. There was no makeup artist, and I was like, "Sure, I'll do the makeup." With so, all of your vast experience with the tricolours, vast exactly. <laughs> uh, she always says she never forgets that um, that I licked the eyeliner brush and put it on her eyes. How she just didn't get mixomatosis or something off me, or how she's still able to see I remember it. you doing that to go on your show again in a hotel oh, in Kerry geez. as well as one stage. I'm really sorry to anyone listening who's been ambushed by me in a bathroom <laughs> over the years. The amount of times I put NARS orgasm on people in bathrooms, like gorilla style makeovers, because I'm like, you have to try this, because I get so enthusiastic about something. You have to try this blusher, it will change your life. And the amount of times I'd have to go in and buy another one and another one, how I don't have shares in that blusher. Because you've given them all away. Yeah, and I would enjoy it. I would enjoy seeing somebody going, oh, I don't like blush. I would never wear that colour. You put it on them and they're like, wow. So back to the shoot. Yeah. Ruth with Griffin her, Ruth with Griffin, her mad makeup. And she's got her makeup on and I do all the clothes and we do all the... Like, I have no idea. I, like, this is before uh, Instagram. You know, I knew about pictures that I liked on um, magazines. In magazines mm. And I had a rough idea of what I thought we could do. Um, and it went really well. And... I then badgered the editor saying, you really need a beauty page. Like People really want to know about, you know, because I was working in fashion and I spent loads of my time t- selling somebody a coat or a jacket and say, listen, you should really wear this really gorgeous um, hard candy nail polish that I've seen in London. Do you remember that with mm-hmm. the rings? I actually brought um, Urban, I was selling Urban Decay makeup back in the day. Before it was owned by L'Oreal. Exactly. Yeah. And um, like that's, you know... My boss at the time didn't really... She'd be like, you've wasted 15 minutes selling a five euro lipstick. lipstick yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I was like, they'll come back and they'll buy mm. again. Like, I always loved like things like that. It wasn't just about the clothes. It was like, you know... But you see, this is the crazy thing because people feel that beauty is one category and fashion is another. But actually, it's oh, all self-interpretation I always and say that creativity. fashion and beauty are like two teenage lovers that cannot take their eyes off each other. They're always like staring and eyeing each other up you know you can't have one without the other I think they're very much hand in hand so back to the shoot yeah (laughs) back to no back to then the shoot went really well and um I'm badgering I get to know the editor I was always good at like finding out you know who's who because as I said not from Dublin wouldn't have had an aunt or an uncle that worked like I meet people now and I'm like wow, you, you had it so easy. I'm also trying to pay rent in Dublin, which is outrageous. And and listen, fashion and publishing and all those things do not pay well. So that's that's why I had to have all these side hustles all the time. But um, And these fiancés. Fi- oh, God, that's <laughs> true as well. I always say it was easier to split the rent than to split the relationship. And I would stay long after the party was over. I would stay until I'd smoked all the butts out of the ashtray. 
And there was nothing left. Oh, God, that's so you. Luckily, you saved the best fiancé till oh, end. So dude. we'll get on to that. We'll come to that in a second. Yeah. But I, um, so finally, um, uh, it was Angus Fanning, who was the editor of the Sunday, and just said, go on, write something then, Trina. Mm. If, you know, if, if you really feel like you should, there should be a beauty page, write something. So you have to remember now, I didn't do computers at school, hadn't, didn't even have, I actually didn't even have a typewriter, mm. let alone a, a computer or a laptop or anything. And so I wrote out my column on beauty products and why I love them so much and uh, wrote it out by hand and went to a, to a secretarial office and they typed it out for me. Can you imagine? I think oh that's me two pounds or something. Yeah. And I had to put it in an envelope and send it down to Middle Abbey Street and then they read it and I couldn't believe. They were like, yeah, we absolutely love it. And then they wanted to do a photo. So I think that photo is still going around. I had me and my, I was really into Wonder Bras and um, yeah. Yes, I remember that picture. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that though, because that is exactly how I started writing Beauty for the Irish Times, because I was doing bits and bobs for them. Yeah. And I was talking to my editor yeah. saying, you should really have a beauty page. And I can remember at that stage, you know, all the brands were just beginning to come into yeah. Ireland, all the big brands. And I can remember there was enough in my head that said, They've nowhere for them to advertise. Where is Chanel going to advertise if you don't have any beauty content? And I remember so well being told, well, you know, try write a column. But I love that you came in from it from that angle because you would have known from working with, Melanie worked with the famous Ab Fab PR in London. Long time ago, Lynn Franks. Yes, which I I love, (laughs) like I love listening to all your stories, like imagine working there in London in the 90s, like how could, like you have some amazing stories about the stuff you used to do Well, there. we managed to fill up the airwaves between the three, the two of us, definitely. <laughs> but back to you anyway. So Angus gave you your first break. Angus gave me my first break and then um, I wrote a piece the second week and that went down really well. And I just wrote in the first person, which I didn't know was a thing, not a thing, like I only knew, like, me, 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 and by the way, this lipstick is lovely and you must try this. And so it was quite refreshing kind of um, voice. And then there was, the magazine was coming out. And so I was like, I don't want like really long reams of text. Can we just do like really big pictures? And can we have a trick? Like I really like tips and tricks. And can we have like small, like easy to swallow little capsules of Mm. beauty so I designed my page and then they wanted to use a generic model on the page and I was like come here have you not seen this and the two wonder bras on and the (laughs) you have to explain the two wonder bras because I think this is so funny I oh well see I it's only since I had children that I grew boobs I, I used to always say I could give a man a cleavage no bother like Put me to work. It would be a challenge, no bother. I used to wear a maiden form bra that I bought in America that gave you all the roundness. Mm-hmm. And then, no, no, I used to put the wonder bra on underneath to give you the cleavage. And then I put another big, massive, huge padded thing on over to give you all the look of having real boobs. And then I would put bronzer down my uh, my chest you know, in the mm-hmm. middle, and highlighter. Before we even knew what contouring was, I was kind of doing this. You were doing it before the drag queens I were doing was, it. I really was. Like it, it, <laughs> you honestly, taught RuPaul I like, did. to get a and he must, and Do you know what? I met RuPaul when he came to Ireland back. He was the first Mac Viva Glam uh, spokesmodel spokes, or whatever. Yeah. And 
he was so cool. And of course, I ended up partying because I worked in Brown Thomas back then when I was 21, I think it was. I was, oh, listen, you don't get a name like Party McCarthy from sitting <laughs> at home every night watching Coronation Street. I was always out. So, yeah, so I, 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 Barbara Power, the fashion editor of um, the Irish the Independent, um, she always says, Trina, you were kind of doing selfies before anyone knew what selfies were because I changed my photos this is every single week. Yeah. I don't know how, and you'd be out all night for a fortnight <laughs> and I'd meet you and you'd be going, I'm just going to get a photo done. And I'd be like, how could you? But you know what, when you're 27, 28, 29, whatever age, you know, in your late 20s, early 30s, you could just get up in the morning, throw a bit of black eyeliner on, brush the hair. And this was before... But I there was no Photoshop. There was no Photoshopping, exactly. There was... Like, then I'd get notions, and I'd go... I remember when Boodles opened, and I'd go in looking for jewellery, and they'd be giving me hundreds of thousands worth of... Do you remember the earrings I got? Do you remember those earrings that I was like, oh, my God, Boodles opened in Dublin? And, of course, I met Mr. Boodles himself. He took a right shine to me altogether. Lent me a pair of star earrings that were about 15,000 euro. Went out that night with them on, with my friend Wayne. We went to Lily's because it was uh, Will... What's his name? Will, that was an X Factor. Will Young. Will Young. It was his birthday party. Oh, well, you'd have to go to that, Trina. The first thing he said to me was, um, oh my God, I love your earrings. I was like, I know, look at them. But I was so scared of losing them. The whole idea was I could keep them but I'm, you know, indefinitely, but I must not uh, take them off. So I had them screw, I think there's still marks in my ears (laughs) where I had them. And then he knew Shane McGowan, how weird is this? And we went down to the Morrison, because Will was staying in the Morrison. I'm wearing the big earrings over to Shane McGowan, who I knew because my ex-boyfriend had produced and worked with him on an album. And we stayed up so long that, that... they serve breakfast where the drinking area is. And they were like, guys, we need to meet, move you out. Because we have... Um, so up into... Uh, yeah, I shouldn't probably say this. Did, I may have slept with Shane McGowan, but not... <laughs> not Victoria Mary Clark, if you're listening. <laughs> not in the biblical not, way. Not in the biblical way. It was to get us out of the bloody breakfast area in the Morrison Hotel. Oh, dear God. How have, oh, we, how have we got into this now? Can you tell and me? And I don't know why it puts it into my mind, but I suppose it's the two bras and the going out at night and the clothes and the everything else. And I remember you turning my clothes the wrong way around so you could have a deeper <laughs> cleavage. You just leave the back unbuttoned. I but couldn't understand how Melanie's dresses were all high neck. So I turned them all around and just, you know, you do the button at the back and turn them and made them all into V-necks. I was like, you got it. You gotta show off the goods, honey. Well, especially when you got two bras on. But your other great line was that you said you never had an abdominal muscle because the spanks were working from the outside in. Absolutely. <laughs> like I didn't my muscles didn't know how to, you know, there was always spanks on me. Like I just, you know You were wearing spanks before they came into Ireland though. Because I used to buy them in America. You're right. I used to go like hunt like my favourite thing was to go to these weird department stores. Oh, do you know what? Even back when I was like 16, 17, I would wear those old corsets that you would find in a vintage shop that, you know, you'd have. Madonna used to wear them, yeah. do you remember? I used to wear them over leggings sometimes as well. But they were like a zip. They were proper corsets. I used to dye them. Uh, my mum talks about how we had the one big 
saucepan for cooking potatoes in but it was big enough to dye all my stuff as well and we had purple potatoes so Bridget Jones wasn't the first with her blue blue no. potatoes or her blue string oh, or whatever I didn't know she did that as no, well remember, but there was some the, the Bridget Jones diary she's cooking the dinner for them and she has blue string tying something now do you honestly like. think that I would remember well you might bit. have gone to a film preview yeah, I mean that's, that's true, true. Uh, but uh, I can't remember anything I, see, people keep saying to me would you not write a book Trina and I'm like sure I don't remember anything you I think it was Kirsty McDermott said uh what we should do is we'll all the book will be everyone's story of something that happened with Trina. <laughs> well on you a know night. the way Bono has done his 40 yeah, yeah, chapters. Yeah. Maybe if we each got a chapter and told our said. Trina's story. Um, Trina's tall tales, I'm thinking <laughs> it could be called. Perfect. We can do the audio <laughs> recording here. Um Trina, so um fashion, beauty, mm-hmm. writing. How did you become an influencer? Now, I know that you were an influencer in everything but social media because you dressed so many people, you wrote, you were judging so many best dress competitions, you opened so many salons, you were doing all of these things. But how did it end up turning into the phone? Um, I suppose... um well, listen, let's be honest, it doesn't pay very well. Uh, people, I love the way, it was Vicky Nataro. I was at a New York Fashion Week standing outside having a cigarette with her. Um, and she, I didn't really know her that well. And she was like, we always talk about how much money you must be on, Trina, because you just, you know, have the sun, the Sunday Indo yeah. column. But everyone yeah. thinks, well, of course, Carrie Bradshaw used to get $5,000 a column in Vogue. Or like a, so, of course, everyone thinks that yeah. that's what the going rate is. Listen. I hate to tell you, we I might know. have, like, like sometimes, honestly, I remember going to the launch of Armani Makeup in Venice about 25 years ago. Must be 25 years ago, yeah, oh my God. And having, staying in the Bar Hotel, meeting Mr. Armani, Naomi Campbell was there, like, living the high life, coming home to me, fla, in Dublin, and having to put my hand down the back of the sofa looking for, and it said somebody left, had money fallen out of somebody's, because I had no money. I might have been living this fabulous life and going to it, but like really, like not not a lot of money. And um, so I suppose I got into influencing because I had met Will, my hubby, and we were moved in together and we had a baby. We did it all very, very quickly. And... We actually couldn't afford childcare, to be perfectly honest. And so I thought, what can I do that... What side hustle? What side hustle can I do now? Because I was still mm. doing, like, as you like, I still dress people to this day. I still consult with people. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I do that I don't sing and dance about all the time. Um, and so I was kind of watching... I wasn't even watching. I just kind of saw what other people were doing, started my Instagram. Um, again, hadn't a, cl- like, a clue what I was doing. My very first kind of influencing job was with, um, oh, it was a, a, a cream for children. And Maxie was very, very young. Um, and that went really well. Uh, and then Minnie came along and we did a thing for another brand. Um, she's smiling at me because she's sitting in the corner <laughs> there on TikTok. Um, and it was kind of easy to do for me in a way. And then I, it meant that I didn't, like I had tried to, when I first had Maxi, I was still trying to go out and do interview people in a hotel. You know how you'd meet somebody. Mm. I always remember Binky, you know, Binky from Maybe yes, Chelsea. Yes, Chelsea, yeah. She came 
to Dublin when her, her was really big at the time when she was in the show was huge mm. and Maxie was only about maybe a month or two old and at the time I thought I can do this like it's just like having a handbag you just bring the baby you put the handbag or sorry the baby in the baby put him down and I can still do the interview this I'd moved on to having a dictaphone at the stage and uh, so I would walk in with my baby do my job go home I still didn't drive I still don't drive now um, you've a scooter now though. A you've really moved everyone in Randlock <laughs> I take them down they're like oh my god here she comes again uh, with my shopping bags and everything hanging off me um, but I uh, I was trying to do that and I thought you know what it's not really fair in the baby and then it's all very well it was very exciting me having a baby because I was I was I was the oldest person in Ireland to have a baby um then when you have two it's not so cute walking into the place and so just had to start doing more and more stuff on my phone at home and then I was lucky I, I you know actually always remember going on a press trip to Paris and it, I was booked more as a influencer than a journalist it's it's weird the fact that there are two, it's almost like two different setups yeah they do one thing for journalists where yeah. they tell you the information yeah and the influencer one they just set up a load of sets and want you to take pictures well, this is just it so <clears throat> I think Maxie was about six months old we'll say I get on a flight early that morning I'd washed my hair and had no makeup on and I had my usual like pair of I think a Boots, black tights, dress, and a jacket. Mm. And, you know, you could take the jacket off going out that night and swap over your boots for your heels. I didn't have makeup on. I walk in to the hotel, um, and I go, oh, is there a shoot going on? I could see people, like, taking loads of photos. There was lights set up and everything. And um, I check into my room, and I thought, oh, I won't bother putting my makeup on. I'll put it on mm. after the lunch. I'm tired, you know. <clears throat> Because as a journalist, when you turn up at something, they don't care. You can turn up like a bag yeah. of laundry. Nobody yeah. cares what you look like. You are only there to report on what you've seen. You get the information. You write it up when you get home or there, mm. you know. Uh, this was my first time realizing, no, everyone, you know, you need your photo take. You know, you need to show You're up. part of the show, mm. you know. You are the show. You are the show. You're the vehicle. Yeah. I couldn't believe this. I, Actually, I remember being at Venice uh, Film Festival earlier in the year and Louise Cooney was there, you know, lovely Louise. Mm-hmm. She, I was saying how I, I'd gone to the very, the launch of Armani 25 years ago and she was like, oh, show me some photos. And I was like, photos? I said, I haven't one single photo because A, you weren't, you kind of weren't allowed. Nobody wanted to take a photo of the journalist either. It didn't, mm. we were all just in black all the time. And I think I had a pair of black boots from, what were they called? Harley Davis mm. biker boots. And I had a black faux leather jacket from Awear that was like 12 euro. And I wore that with a black dress, changed the dress on underneath. But um, she was like, what do you know? Now it's all about how. So I remember going to the lunch, back to Paris at the lunch. I don't choose. I better go back up the stairs, put on the makeup, fluffed out the hair a bit, came back down. And there was, it was an international press influencer thing. Everyone has camp selfie sticks. I thought selfie sticks were something that were to be... Tourists. Yeah, yeah. you were kind of made fun of. Oh, no. They had their separate cameras for their YouTube. There was other people with them filming them. At the time, go cams were kind of the yeah. thing. There was tripods on the table. There was lights. bright lights. Mm. There was outfit changes. There was actually a hashtag for, um, for the event. And I remember putting it in and looking around the table going, that can't be the 
the same person. <laughs> Nobody looked like what they looked like on there. Now I can't talk because I I discovered Facetune as well. <laughs> but it, a girl's got to do what a girl's oh, got to do. But um, I it was like a baptism of fire for me. It was like wow, this is mm. so different to what I was used to. Where you're, like I said doesn't matter what the heck you wear it doesn't matter you're just gathering the information and you write it up and it goes into a magazine this was all singing all dancing outfit changes taking pictures of your food you know catalog you know basically like showing everything that's going on so um so then I got into the swing of that and sure I was as bad as the rest of them Took I was like a duck to water Tina. absolutely tell I've, I've two things to ask you particularly about your work now um, and it, it sounds like the kind of the peripheral stuff but it really really interests me number one when you were the only Irish journalist mm. going on a trip mm-hmm. and you're thrown in with yeah. a load of other people yeah how do you find it um, do you know not, what, not even journalists, the only Irish influencer, the only yeah. Irish attendee. Do you know what? I've been talking about that recently to a few different people. I suppose because uh, where I grew up in Scotland, we'll say if we, I go to England and mm. I'm the only Irish person. Um, and I, because I grew up in Scotland, very cosmopolitan area. And uh, I always feel in Ireland, we have the same reference points as English people will say. We read all their magazines, we know all their celebrities. Mm. We watch their soaps. Doesn't mean they're going to want to talk to us. But that's just it. We share the same language. But English people are very, very different to Mm. Irish people. And quite often they've never been to Ireland. And so I would often get this thing, oh, you're Irish, you know. um, Oh, I love the Irish. The Irish is so much crack and all this. So I would often be like the funny girl, you Mm. know, trying to... um, I remember talking to an American girl about this. She said that she'd lived in... London for 10 years and she said the things she knows now that she didn't know that English people don't want to be your friend straight up you know you know you know the way Irish people like hi how are you and you tell them everything about yourself in the first three minutes uh English people are definitely more reserved like that but they will be your friend you know Mm, it's not a bad mm. thing um you have to remember that most of my family they're Irish but a lot of them live in England my family's husband or he went to university in Oxford a lot of his friends are English Mm. a lot of his family are in England so we have huge cross pollination or whatever but it's only as I'm getting older that I now realize Christ what must they have thought of like the all singing all dancing Irish girl coming over like Getting straight in there, not like um, being reserved. Like I would just, you know, party McCarthy is my like. You my, don't mind. You don't mind being the only Irish girl. Um, I no, I actually don't. I, I suppose I've always been thrown in at the deep end with mm. everything, and I just get on with like with everything in my life. I get on with it, and I, for years, like I remember, um, I remember when my first big interviews was. To New Orleans to meet uh, Britney Spears of all people. Do I have a photograph? <laughs> no. Did I have a photograph? Yes. Leonard Daly, makeup artist extraordinaire. If you are listening, you know what happened to that photo. Yeah. Oh, basically, I got an iPhone and Leonard knew everything about iPhones. He got an iPhone the week before and he was like, I know exactly how to swap everything over. Oh, oh yeah. No. I'm actually making him feel really bad because it wasn't long after my sister died as well. I'm really making you feel bad, Leonard. <laughs> and Annie texts and all lost. All records. All gone. All her lovely texts, Leonard. Oh, stop, I'm not making Trina. you feel. 
<laughs> We've been over this so many oh, times. God, and my man. one photo of Brittany. Mm-hmm. But again, that was me, only Irish person. It was actually how we went, how I did the Brittany interview was... Um, it was done with MTV all over the world, but mm-hmm. we didn't have an MTV in Ireland, so they did it through the Sunday Independent. It was when she launched Curious, and we mm. actually did it. The comp- perfume. The perfume, yeah. Mm. And we actually did a competition in the newspaper, and so I actually had to bring a uh, winner with me. And But she was under, she was only 12, so she had to bring her mum with her as well. And it was lovely, though, because she'd never... All she wanted was maple syrup and pancakes. And she wanted <laughs> that Starbucks. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we went and we stayed. Like, it was amazing. We, we stayed in this hotel. And I remember we had to get in the Britney bus. And they were playing, You're so lucky. You're a star. <laughs> because there was all the competition winners from South Africa, Holland. Uh, Were you the only journalist with the winners? I was the only Irish person no, but again. Like, was the French journalist be with the no, French they, winners? They, they were all MTV um, uh, presenters who were over there. Okay, I was the only. Okay, so you were the only non MTV yeah, presenter. Yeah. Right. And so we go down to the Ritz in New Orleans. This is before Hurricane Katrina. And no, I'm not talking about myself, yeah. but. Um, and we got to meet Brittany. Oh, yeah, oh, for things like that, you had to submit your questions like oh, three know, months it. beforehand. And you weren't allowed to touch Miss Spears. And uh, actually, she, because I, I, I know my style, uh, she, I'm told that I must just come over, introduce my competition winner. Oh, I'd done some pre-work already. At the drinks beforehand, I'd met the head of... Um, Elizabeth Arden, I think, were the people mm-hmm. that behind um, Curious Perfume. And he had been to see, um, what's his name, the singer from Northern Ireland, Brown Eyes. Uh, Brian Kennedy? No. no. Um, <laughs> Van oh, Morrison? Yes, Van Morrison the <laughs> night before. And he was friends with Bono. And I was making out like they were my best friends as well in Dublin, that were all one big happy family. And I said, you know that my little girl, the one, my winner, mm-hmm. is only 12 and I feel like when Brittany comes out, um, she's, you know, she's a little bit shy or whatever, you know, maybe, you know. So when Brittany comes up to say hi to all the competition winners, she goes, and a little birdie told me that the youngest girl here is from Ireland. I love Ireland. Where is blah, blah, blah? Oh, well Brings done, her Trina. up straight away. You'd fed her her lines. I, oh, it's, but like, again, I don't know how I know to do these things. Actually, the funny thing is, years later, I was on a press trip with a brand in in Paris and I'm chatting away to the PR and she said we actually met before and I said really and she said yeah you brought me to see Britney Spears when I was only 12 stop it and she got into the whole she wanted to be get into the whole fashion business journalism all that sort of thing because she got oh you know, my god yeah all these years Trina, later I know protege. Full, full circle oh, wasn't that just amazing that is lovely. but you know I mean I think this is your secret sauce Trina you don't plan things my favorite line of yours that I tell everyone is I mean I will never forget having my head melted by you going down to the races <laughs> and spending two hours in a taxi collecting <gasps> bags from nightclubs from the oh, night before Jesus. collecting dry cleaning having to get changed <laughs> in the back of taxis oh, yeah. with you but it's part 
sort of, you don't organize. Your superpower is living on the spur of the moment. You're genuinely you, you know, and, and that shines through. But my favorite quote of yours, which I always now remember, because I think this has rubbed off on me, and I used to be somebody that used to be so organized and planned and write notes and everything. I don't do that anymore. But your great line to do with packing oh, yeah. is nothing <laughs> focuses the mind better than the sound of a taxi revving outside your door. It's so true. Like, it is, I though. Can't, everything is clear then. Like, even the day I got married, I did not wear what I was supposed to wear that day because I don't know how I'm going to feel in that moment. And I don't know. I cannot plan. I've never been able to plan. And I suppose that's why having somebody like you as a friend, you know, you, you are very, you know how to work with me. You know how to, you know, I think you resisted in the beginning and now you're just like, it always works You've out. You've taught me, you see, I'm the little 12 year old <laughs> girl going to see Britney Spears. But it all works out in the end. And it sometimes does. the best laid plans, like it used to drive Will absolutely cuckoo. Like he would try and, and, and put like things into place and, always I'd slide in at the very end and okay sounds like I'm talking about something else there um and it would all just work out and actually I think that's why Will and I work well together because I am chaos is really normal to me I'm really really good in any kind of chaotic situation I grew up one of eight children my dad was you know an entrepreneur he worked for himself you know there was always so much going on in our house and you know I just you always had to just roll up your sleeves and get stuck into things. Um, my dad had ADHD and dyslexia. I was diagnosed at 35 with it. It's not something I talk a lot not about. Not dyslexia? No, ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband has, has dyslexia. So you've got the full package yeah, between listen, you. Yeah, again, full circle. Why don't you talk about the ADHD? Um, it's, do you know what? It's, I remember when I was diagnosed... I was so embarrassed. How long ago were you diagnosed? When I was 35. You don't talk about you. Why don't you like talking about it? Um, I think I'm just, well, I suppose I was just very embarrassed about it. I, I, it's ADHD is what it was back however many years ago. Now everyone has it. So when did, when did you have it? <laughs> I'm OG. I had it from the start. I had it so, way before it was cool. I've always been ahead of the trend. You invented it. <laughs> I wish... Do you know what? It, it kind of slightly annoys me now when people say, oh my God, I have ADHD. I'm kind of ADHD as well. And I'm like, really? How, who diagnosed you? Did it take you long? What's, who was your psychiatrist? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh no, no, I did a quiz on Instagram. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's so great. But I do think we all have a little bit of ADHD in us. Well, we all have know. a bit of something. We all have a bit of something, yeah. yeah. And, and Will quite often says to me, you are highly autistic, Trina. And that is, you know, it, it, you know, I... I process things differently to everyone. Uh, at, at any one time, I have like four different sentences coming into my head. And quite often I forget to finish sentences because I'm like, why finish this one when there's like a way better one coming down the line? You know, so planning doesn't work for me like mm. that. Chaos is normal to me. Um, I, I, I actually don't know an awful lot about it. As I said, my dad had it and he had dyslexia as well. Perhaps one of my children might have it as well. It's just how I operate. I've mm. always felt a little bit different. I've, I suppose I had to always create my own jobs as well because I, you couldn't have me working in an office with you. Like, it would just be... Well, you know. it would be very entertaining. <laughs> and I've always had to make up things my own way and I've had to just... You can go your own way. Oh, yes, we're breaking into song now. For, will you start singing with us? Can I ask you another question? Completely moving away from all of this, mm-hmm. because you say you've about four things open mm. at one time. 
But I know you can spend hours on end mm. scrolling, looking for clothes online. Oh my God. That's, so some people like to go to art galleries or like to read books. I just love looking at dresses. Like I can get hyper-focused. Like I love nothing more than if you send me a message going, oh, Trina, I've got this thing on on Friday night and I've just found out that the theme is pink. I'll be like, let me loose. And I would stay up until 3 a.m. till I have the perfect dress. Like I will be like, okay, she'll want sleeves. She'll want something short. She's got those new shoes. Um, do you know what? I wonder, will she wear that? I have that thing that I gave her before for her. Like I love, like it just, it co- I didn't realize that it doesn't come naturally to everyone else to. Maybe it's part of your superpower, isn't it? it? Maybe it's a superpower. No, I but don't maybe know. is it something to do with your whole. I'm very visual, I suppose, even mm. though I'm, and I am deaf in my right here as well so I everything stops uh, anything falling out <laughs> any ideas keep well, small again there. I had a Maria Tash earring done way before anyone else had them oh in the what's it called a doth piercing mm. so that people would know what ear to speak into um, it wasn't for again a, a trend you know type of thing it was a practical thing so I have very good um actually the only thing the only sport I play because I'm not very uh sporty is fencing because my and I don't even talk about it that much. I compete under my married name. You um, compete? Yeah. Sorry, I knew you were going to fencing classes, but I didn't know oh, we'd graduated funny. this far. Yeah, I I love it. It's the it's because my reflex. I'm so visual, and I actually have no skill. And um, they call me the Vinnie Jones in my club because I just in go- your fencing. It's very Protestant. I mean, I know you married a prod, but it doesn't mean you have to become one. It's the, my brother was the champion of Ireland as well years ago. So it's literally the only thing that I'm good at because it's just like, you ju- I just go after them and, you know, scare them. They don't think that I'm going to, they don't think this little one, not that I don't I'm even know where you get the time to go fencing, Trina McCarthy. Um, again, because I don't, like everything just happens and, you know, it, I just, that can make everything happen. Like today, I can just make everything happen. Today, my daughter was sick. I said that we would do this. She's mm-hmm. actually fine. She's sitting there looking over at us in her, um, <laughs> picking her nail varnish off her nails. Um, I just, because I don't plan too much, I can just, you know, go, Let, we can do this. And I can keep layering stuff on and on and on. And I have a, a lot of energy and mm-hmm. I don't sleep well. So I always have time to do whatever I need to. When most people are asleep, I'm scrolling, I'm answering emails. Like I used to drive people insane with my emails at three, four, five. Mm -hmm. That's my most creative as well. That's when the whole, the rest of the world is kind of quiet. I find it easier to write then Mm -hmm. because the phone isn't going, the emails aren't going. Um, I just, I just have carved out kind of my own world. Your way. And And it works. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Some people can find me a bit too much sometimes maybe. Um, I can be very boring. (laughs) (laughs) Trina, whose style are you loving at the moment? Who are you following? Oh, um, who am I loving? I kind of, um, I'm kind of over the dopamine dressing now. Mm. Uh, She says in a bright pink uh, and leopard skin socks. Combo. Yeah. I've always really kind of liked um, kind of the French girl kind of style, like Queen Rothfield or... um, any of those, uh, what's her name, Alt, uh, of course can't remember her name, um, she used to be the Vogue editor. I kind of like that very um, simple hair and makeup, but maybe they go for a crazy jacket and uh, shoes. 
Um, I always kind of like Paloma Faith, weirdly. I like, On the complete other yeah. extreme of what uh, you just Janelle said. Janelle Monet, is that her name? She always wears interesting clothes. Uh, who am I excited to see on a red carpet, I'm trying to think? Um, Laura Harrison, she's like a, a American actress. She wore this amazing pink Valentino that I tried to recreate myself. I'm always making up my... I feel like because I grew up with... You know, we didn't have very many... Fa- We'd Barnett's Drapery Store and we had, you know, <laughs> Sean Murray's and Skibbereen. You had to make all your own clothes. Like, mm. you know, you had to get creative and you never wanted to wear what anyone else wore. Well, wasn't that part of the joy of growing up in the 80s and yeah. the early 90s? We didn't want to look like anyone no, else. And like, the joy was finding bits to oh, stick yeah. on to yourself. My one of my brothers for a very short time the most non-religious family but anyway for some reason he he got into the old boys and he had the most amazing white little frilly thing that he'd wear over the black do you think that that lasted long in his wardrobe and you only borrowed them as well oh no I was out with my gymnastics leotard black underneath it with my oxblood uh, Doc Docks. Martens up yes. to my knees that my dad had to bring back from Birmingham. One of my aunties had to go and buy them. Um, and black tights and uh, with the white altar boy. Like that was the cool... And my dad's wedding suit jacket on over oh it. My God. But I feel like mm. that, that, that part of fashion I find hard to understand where everyone wants to look the same now and will want to literally wear the exact same outfit as somebody else has worn. I will always... I love... Um, even just like cutting the sleeve off or adding something to, I will never wear something the way it's meant it's to. It's intended. I, yeah, yeah, I kind of always do a little bit of something to it, uh, which can be a pain in the neck then when I'm depopping them because I love depopping. Well, my next question, and then we'll come on to the depopping. Do you find it, because now you are known for your style and because <laughs> you are known for your out there outfits, we'll discuss the Gautier ones at the moment. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Is there pressure on you when you go to a event? Seriously, do you yeah. feel pressure that you're going to have to turn up in something new or something? And I'm talking about yeah. a breast breakfast. I'm yeah. not talking about a red you carpet. See, I enjoy. It's not pressure for me. I I like the like dressing up. Like it's to me, it's it's fun. And I don't know who I'm going to be mm. any particular day. Okay. Like who do I feel like? Like I'm sitting here in pigtails today. It's because my hair is greasy, by the <laughs> way. Um, and it's like, I, my daughter is like that. She will, you know, we both be like, hey, will we do a mummy daughter? Like, it's so ridiculous. But like, everyone has their thing that they like. I like, I don't feel, I don't feel judgment or pressure from other people because I know what I like. Actually, weirdly, I went to a, um, uh, it was the launch of Ralph Lauren's new fragrance, Ralph's Club in Claridge's in London recently. And the vibe was kind of, um, tuxedos and all that sort of thing so I wore a really old uh, beaded sequin jacket back from my days in um, what was my shop called in uh, Trina Kayla um, which kind of means an Irish scruffy was that in the dandelion market days uh, yeah the um, so I had a sequin jacket from back then the smell of it actually I should have gone to get it like new in Donnybrook are the best for cleaning they can clean anything I swear I haven't turned up with something that I might have thrown up on and brought it in the bag to them and they have clearly imagine oh my god but anyway um so it, it was just a very in my mind a basic outfit black and white 
I wore Will's uh, bow tie in one of his shirts and the tuxedo style trousers. And um, people love that outfit more than anything else. And I don't go off what people like because it's what I like, really. I don't mm. I don't have that thing where I need other people to uh, really like my outfit. I, if I'm happy with it, that's all that matters. Um, even though most of the time when I come down the stairs, my husband will go, oh, I didn't realise it was fancy dress. That we're- <laughs> I'm like, well... This is my luck tonight. This is how I feel. This is who I am. But people love that kind of very simple black, white, you know. Uh, and I did my head just a red lip and a black. And I thought, isn't that interesting? But for me, I felt it was kind of, I did that look 20 years ago when I was going to parties mm. like that. And I just like, I like wearing whatever I feel like on a day. Like sometimes I want to be boyish. Other times I want to be frothy and you know, almost. Bar- I love Barbara Cartland. I love looking back at some of the stuff she her used to wear. Great. She was yeah. so out there. I loved, even though people would kind of mock her look. I thought, wow, she was going for it. She was doing exactly what she wanted, and that, that's, I suppose, what I love in fashion is like you can be anyone or anything that you want to be. By I always say, even though there was eight of us, we had a, there were a lot of children. Um, my mum always turned us out very well, and she had a re- she lo- you know always made sure that you know you had your white socks pulled up to your knees with your pay. Even though I am quite to- tomboyish, and my mother despairs of me, she'd be like, "Would you not just go and put a bit of makeup on?" <laughs> or you know, you'd be a lot now. Your day'll be a lot better now if you just take that thing off you and put something you know Trina everyone will think because they see the volume of clothes as you come out mm. in and the frequency that you come out in so many clothes that you have a massive big wardrobe no I'm, I'd be you know what I'm like I'm quite minimal uh, and because I turn over my clothes don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. so tell us about this well I always did it back before like I've, how I started my Trina Kayla was because I was moving house um, and I had a big suitcase of clothes and I was like I'm not just Going, you know, you give a certain amount to charity. You give. Listen, I have three sisters. They were always taking stuff without telling me, um, and I was like, "This is money. Like, I'm not rich. You know, even if I was rich, I would still think it's a lot better to wear your clothes as much as you can. But then they need to. Someone else can enjoy them. Mm. So I suppose with so before there was um, Depop or anything like that, I would have gone to what we now call our consignment stores so they were always around like mm. back in the day but there were people I think we had notions back in the day and people were like is, is that second hand and you know we're too embarrassed to be seen in these shops or you know whereas I was like I can't afford the clothes that I want um I remember when I was a buyer I would have been on really bad money and we used to go to Paris and there was an am- I knew all the really you had to like there was no internet, so you couldn't even find these places. You literally had to keep walking around. There were markets, there were different places. I would have bring over clothes, sell them. There was a place in London, Notting Hill, that you could actually bring your clothes in. They would give you the money there and then. Um, honestly, like when you're poor, it makes you really creative. Like people <laughs> are scared about this recession coming down the line. I'm like, that's when all the creatives will be in their happy place again. Because all this like flaunting of wealth like having all the same expensive handbags and things like that. It's, it's not that uh, I have to agree with you. Yeah. I have no desire to earn, uh, own an Hermes bag. Yeah. I mean, they're lovely. Yeah, yeah, But I don't want to look like everyone else. I appreciate an Hermes yeah. bag where I live. A lot of ladies have absolutely mm. gorgeous ones. But I would, if I was getting one, it would be, 
again pre-loved and I would love the thrill of chasing it down yes chasing of down finding the people. thing yeah mm. and I love that like it's such a thrill it's like isn't it like the hunt that is better mm. than you know what will you never consign have you a few pieces um at because home? I buy a lot of I've loved vintage or like you know um Actually, when I had my store in the Grafton Flea Market, was the the name mm. of the Dandelion Market when I was there. Um, the girl next to me was Fiona, who had Harlequin. Do you remember Harlequin on Castle Market Street mm-hmm. um, near Costume? Um, so I was buying stuff. I would buy stuff from her. Um, I had an obsession with nineteen um, fifties. Uh, what are they called? Um, slips. I love those with little cashmere cardigans because the cashmere, like cashmere will last and last. And so what if there's a few holes in it? Um, I remember dressing uh, Paula Yates of all people back in the day because I worked for a store in London and um, she wore a little shrunken um, cashmere cardigan with the long ghost dresses. Do you remember Mm. all those? Um, But um, so I have a few vintage pieces. I have like, um, embroidered jackets like Chinese embroidered jackets I've one that you can actually reverse um, so it's patterned on one side and uh, bright red on the other side I think if I was ever going to design clothes and I have done and when people say how come how come you're not designing your own I'm like because I did and I actually know the hard work that goes into it and I know about production and I know about sampling and I know about literally we used to sit and sew on the labels onto stuff the night before we'd be showing and fashion isn't actually like that anymore. It's, I remember being on a press trip a while ago and the, one of the people there was saying that she was a fashion designer. And I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't know you were a fashion designer. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, where's your production? Mm. You know, tell me about, you know, wh- do you have your blocks? You know, like, tell me, you know, your sizing, all this. And she was like, sorry, what? And she, 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 she wasn't kind of following what I was talking about. Basically, she picks the colours for the items and but she's the smart one because that's that's how these things work now because I was going to meet a friend afterwards who had moved to a big European city to get a job he had studied here in in Dublin had had his own label no money to be made there really isn't and he was coming in at the ground level for a big huge international mm. designer who who's the smart person the person who's making all the money basically picking out stuff out of a catalog and saying yeah Put my name in that. I'll have that. Co- picking colours. That's a businesswoman. That's a businesswoman. Whereas maybe the creative side of things is yeah. something that might light your heart up more. Yeah. So I do you know where we started now with that. We've gone. <laughs> anyway, but I'll tell you what I want to come back to because we've barely discussed actual beauty. <laughs> so I want you to tell me the treatments that you think are best for the body, the face, whatever else, and the beauty products that you love most. Oh, jeepers, okay. Um, I, okay, so I'm kind of, um, I'm quite minimal, really. Like, I've been reporting on all these beauty mm. treatments for, God, 20 years, over 20 years. And I I rarely do an awful lot myself. I, like, I grow my own hair in my spare time. I did try extensions, tape extensions once just to see what they were like because I want to know about these things, but mm. I don't necessarily have to have those things done myself. Um, you were the one that turned me on to Botox. I was so late to the party. <laughs> I really was. And I remember meeting you outside Brown Thomas and I just had it done. And I I felt like, 
Melanie, I can't, I feel like Vulcan, I can't move my forehead. And you were like, Trina, it doesn't kick in for seven days. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, st- and I was like, no, every- they'll know, everyone will know, they'll know, everyone will know. <laughs> and being super conscious of it. And that was only, God, 10 years, 12 years ago, I think. I was so late to the party with Botox. So I would go to Jane Mulroney for my Botox. Uh, I will do anything that she tells me to do, basically. And I like a kind of a, a delicate touch. I don't like, you know, in, in the same way, some people like Ugg boots, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't want... I think beauty is like that. You, you, It's a look you want. And some people really want to look done. And I think that looks amazing on them. And I'm like, wow. Some people like being more paired back. I always say you never notice good work. Mm, I always mm, say that. The people mm. that are like, I want to look like her. She's had, no, you know, I'm like, she's definitely had work done. She's like constantly, I think little tweaks here and there. So I And did, not to lose the run of yourself. Not to lose it. But if you want to lose the run of yourself, go for it. I, there's some people and they have it all going on and it looks great on camera sometimes, maybe not so much in real life. And I think, you know what, that's the look that she's going mm. for. In the same way, people are like, what the hell has that person got on her? Go embrace, you know, be, mm. do be what you. you want. Yeah. You know, if you, if this is what you want your look to be, you want dramatic, whatever it is, go for it. You know, why should you try and please mm. everyone else's perception of you or what beauty should be? And beauty has changed so much. Like what I think is really nice, maybe somebody else mightn't. And it's so subjective. But um, actually, beauty has changed so much oh. that actually the tricolor eyeshadow would, <laughs> would actually be, be the thing again. Absolutely. <laughs> it really is. Meeting Will was a huge, huge changing part of your life. Like, literally, it yeah. was one of those moments mm. that uh, your life went from one direction to the other. Um, and it's all worked out so well. But it was a chance knew? meeting, wasn't it? It was. A friend of mine had was throwing a pity party. Her boyfriend had run off with somebody else she'd got a place in town um I wasn't even meant to go I'd I'd been through a bad time my sister had died I'd got engaged to somebody I barely knew uh I would have got engaged to you if you for I'm looking over (laughs) um you'd have been very lucky wouldn't I be very lucky but like just (laughs) 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 so it was a very very everything was kind of going wrong for me I was um my my sister who had been ill, like it was like an arrow pointing in her direction every day for three years when she was ill. Sadly, she had got breast cancer. She was misdiagnosed. She was living with me when she found the lump in her boobs. And I sent her in. She was doing, uh, she was an NCAD at the time. Her doctor there was concerned enough to send her. And sadly, they didn't do triple assessment. I couldn't even wrap my head around all that mm. at the time because it was hard enough to get through that. But now when I see all the other people that have been activists and... Um, and I think, why wasn't I better? Like, I beat myself up about all that. Um, but anyway, moving I on. I disagree with you hugely on that, because at the time you spoke up, just th- you spoke up very powerfully. Mm. You wrote some amazing pieces, which yeah. must have been very hard to write. Thank you. And you've always shown up for all the charities that have asked yeah. you to do stuff. Yeah. I, we've been at all sorts of oh, charity shindigs together oh my, and, I, and again, it's, it's, 
I don't feel like I have to shy, sing and dance about all that. I can mm. do all that stuff quietly. You both sang and danced, though, <laughs> Yeah, and I still do a lot of stuff for them. Will. Let's get back to Will. So, bad, bad time for me. I actually think now I can say it because I'm that much older, but I think I probably had a bit of a nervous breakdown before I met him. Well, it was probably before nervous breakdowns were invented. Yeah, exactly. Again. They weren't, they weren't in fashion at the time. They weren't. And I didn't even know what to call it. Like, mm. And suddenly I was on my own and everything started falling up I just my voice got really low I had a really bad bat like it was all weird mm. but I pulled myself out of you it you managed to go to a party I managed to <laughs> listen the best thing was I lost about two stone I was fucking gorgeous I wasn't gonna waste <laughs> waste my jeans being finally fitting me off to the party I go. I remember you were in those bandage dresses. That's how thin you were. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm. Hervé Legere. Hervé Legere. Again, yeah. spent all my money on a dress I couldn't afford, the usual. But um, I, so we've been at the party. Now bear in mind, I've been in, I've had four fiancés at this stage. And I'm 37, almost 38. And I'd actually met somebody at a press trip a few weeks beforehand and she was moving to New York and she asked me to go with her and I thought Christ I can actually do this because I don't have to be in Ireland anymore I had to be and I can work from anywhere and I was I suppose I just was like okay this is a whole new start for me went to this party somebody said oh my god William White is here I was like so not into couldn't allergic yeah I was like aligning myself with my friends who weren't married and didn't have children I was fine Mm. with that I was like this is you know this is fine you know you know not everything not that I ever actually to be perfectly honest never really wanted to get married and have children Mm. because I grew up one of eight children I was the eldest girl it wasn't like it is now oh a lovely baby was like another fucking baby (laughs) and I always say most you know girls have uh small girls have you know toy dolls and uh, kitchens toy mm-hmm. kitchens I had a real kitchen to play in and I had <laughs> real babies to look after so there was nothing romantic about it. I really it was like hardship to me and I suppose in a way subconsciously didn't want to have babies because I finished bringing up my mum's family but there you were at the party there I was at the party okay <laughs> rain me in here now and I would love to tell you I remember exactly the moment our eyes met I was Beluba's drunk <laughs> and um he was like Hi, and he, you know, Will's got, you know, hello, you know, bit of a accent, and I was like, who is this? F-? I can ba- vaguely remember the big floppy hair, and he's much taller than me. And we chat for a few minutes, and then I go out to have a cigarette, and I wiggled my bottom as best as I could, walking out the onto the balcony, and he was like, who is that? And Long story short, he came down. I was staying in my friend's apartment that night. He came down the next day. I had a terrible night. I spent the night crying, saying, where's my life gone wrong? Yada, yeah. Doorbell rings. And she goes, oh, it's William. He likes you. Turned straight into my 12-year-old self, Was now that I knew this guy liked me. Wouldn't look at him, wouldn't talk to him. Uh, I put on my friend's leggings. Um, and she's much smaller than me. And Will says, he remembers, we decided we were going for a we were all, as a group, mm. going for dinner and drinks across the road. 
I walk out in front of him and he said you could see the whole shape of my arse <laughs> through the leggings because they were so tight on me and they were stretched across the bottom. And he said there was like furry stuff. It was like the elastic had like burst. You know, when it goes kind of furry. Yes, it goes all frayed. Yes. Yeah. So, that, ladies, if you want to catch uh, a man, wear your <laughs> oldest pair of leggings that are gone. <laughs> wear your oldest pair of your friend's leggings. Friend's leggings yeah, that yeah. are stretched across your arse. And of course I had one drink and we get chatting. He asked me what star sign I was. I was like, I'm a Leo. He's Sagittarius and I'm a bit weird. He's like, big into all of that, isn't we're he? We're mad into it. The pair. I was always kind of into it. I used mm. to collect this magazine again back in Brodsons and Skull when I was young, all about astrology. And so we literally get on like a house on fire. He's Sagittarius, I'm Leo. We decided to have an Aries boy, an Aries, I'm not even joking. People really find this very, very weird. But Will is an engineer, so he knows how to design, how to plan. So we have babies. Literally, like I still didn't know how the birds and bees worked. I really, (laughs) I work in a need to know basis. I was trying not to get pregnant all my life. And so he, we had an Aries boy and a Sagittarius little girl. And we're all fire signs. So we literally get on like a house on fire. But Will, Will's mum was a real party animal as well, you see. And my, his, his kind of, what he thinks is a very comforting, nurturing smell. It's the smell of perfume and cigarettes and alcohol. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> On somebody. So he, like, I, I'm ve- I suppose I'm very like his mum. My mum always says, thank God Vivian was such a party animal. Because Will was like, yeah, I, I understand this type of person. This is normal to me. And so he's kind of like Safi in Ab Fab. Because he grew up in, his dad was a fashion designer, his mum's a, a model. Um, and he was around all that. So you've, my mum has never had a drink in her life, the teetotaler. My dad only drank at funerals and weddings. So I was like raiding the drinks cupboards from the age of when we won't get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> so we're very in tune. You know, he's six years younger than me as well, but nobody ever nobody knows no, that nobody knows, nobody knows because that. I'm so immature and he's quite mature mm. and so we met him very very quickly like he asked me to marry him after a month and I was like oh we, no, no because I was like if if I get engaged again people are going to be like here we go so he's like let's just skip the engagement part let's get straight to being married and then for some reason I wanted to kind of keep it quiet I didn't mm. want to tell anyone because for 20 years I've been telling people if I've spots in my bottom or if I've you know yeah baby powder up into the air yeah um and so we were married a few years when Will was like do you know what you've been engaged loads of times I'd actually love to um I'd love to get engaged so we told everyone we were engaged when we were <laughs> actually married and then we didn't actually come out, tell everyone until I did a cover of Sunday Independent mm-hmm. um, where I said, yeah, I've actually been married for years and I kept it quiet. Because I think, again, it was that whole, I saw a lot of people like using their wedding as a hashtag, as a platform, having a separate Instagram page mm. for it. And I thought, I don't really want to, I want a, a marriage, not a wedding. I want, you know, this to be our own little thing that we've done and... Um, even though Will is still dying to have his big proper day out, Groomzilla himself, and we might. We kept saying we'll have a joint fortieth, and uh, now it'll be joint fifty. Sorry, joint fortieth. I'd be fifty, and he'd be just <laughs> yeah, forty yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but he, I don't feel like I ever. I feel I only got going really when I met Will. That he, he was the first person that 
kind of like all my life people have always said things like oh Trina would be great if only she did or if only Trina could learn to do or if Trina and he was the very first person that actually said actually no Trina is exactly the way she's supposed to be and that nobody had ever said that about me before and it kind of made me feel kind of like I don't know like that I could be me that it could you know and to feel so loved by somebody I'd never you know I'm the eldest girl and I'm always like the one that's you know trying to look after everyone else I'd, I'd never actually had anyone really mind me before it's lovely I know and you know what it takes us full circle because I think he he managed to encapsulate that you should be let to be you. And I think the past hour or whatever conversation we've just had is, there's no point trying to fight the beast. She's just going to be herself anyway. Trina, thank you so, so much. Thank you, darling. And can we say special well done to Minnie, who's been like the best girl in the corner. Thank you very much, Minnie. Hello, one last word from me. And I don't normally come in at the end of the podcast, but as it's the last in the series, I wanted to just jump in and to say a massive, massive big thanks to Cassie Delaney and Ferg Curtis of Tall Tale Podcasts for all their help in producing this series. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Oh, Cassie years ago, um, because she worked in Image for a while with us in Image and on Cara magazine. And she brought Ferg to the table, I think about this time last year, when he started producing podcasts for Image, uh, which I was working on. And I have to say they've made the whole process so enjoyable and they've been so incredibly kind and patient with me throughout the series. And it's lovely to connect with new people that you've such high regard and esteem for and have just been such genuine sound eggs. So thank you for letting me jump in. Huge thank you to Ferg and to Cassie. And I look forward to series two early in 2023. A very happy Christmas, everyone, and a wonderful new year. 